electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. That is a live shot of the uh, scene outside the New York Stock Exchange as restaurant chain Kava makes its market debut today. It's Happy going to Kava be, Day. Thank you. It's a potentially major test of the IPO market uh, and obviously a very important day for that particular company. A nice little thing going on out there. You can't see it. A lot of yeah. plants, greenery. We're going to talk with the CEO later this hour. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Good uh, Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk in the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready 30 minutes from now to begin the trading day. You can see we're going to have a lower open. Uh, And of course, a lot of that may be a result of what we heard yesterday from Fed Chair Powell. And that is where our roadmap starts with the Fed standing pat for now on interest rates, though it did signal The tightening could soon resume. From the Fed to the consumer, new data showing retail sales rose in May, and that was something of a surprise. And as we mentioned, Kava going public today. It, uh, you know, Jim and I have different views of how big a test it is for the IPO market, but we'll certainly discuss that. Brent Shulman is the CEO of uh, what is a Mediterranean fast casual chain, and he's going to join us later right here at Post 9 to talk about this big day for his company. Let's start with the Fed. Paused rate hikes for the first time in 15 months, but Chair Powell not ruling out more rate increases before year-end. Nearly all committee participants expect that it will be appropriate to raise interest rates somewhat further by the end of the year. But at this meeting, considering how far and how fast we've moved, we judged it prudent to hold the target range steady to allow the committee to assess additional information and its implications for monetary policy. All right, what do you think? Well, I think a lot of people were trying to figure out whether we're going to have a soft landing or a hard landing. But yesterday we discovered there's a third choice, which is that the plane is still in the air and doesn't have any intention of landing. So how do you have a soft or hard landing? And the reason is, is because of housing. Uh, and housing's controlled by wages. I think if you go, you want to know the key to this, go to the Home Depot conference call, the full day, the analyst day, and you will hear why they have to do it. Home Depot is saying, look, this is an incredibly inflationary time. There's inflation everywhere. Uh, Housing, by the way, $13 trillion in value has been created. Home prices are up 40% since 2019. Everything trickles down from housing, and housing, we're going to hear from Lenore. Same thing. It is where the epicenter of inflation is, and it's rippling throughout the economy. You've been saying that for quite some time. That said, there's not that much action in housing in terms of people selling and people buying well, as a result a of interest rates. I mean, if you have a good mortgage, for example, you are less likely to want to leave and have to assume a new mortgage at a much higher rate, aren't you? Well, okay, so there are literally 50% of people don't even have a mortgage, okay? Of the other people who have mortgages, 
uh, let me get this, 40% of owner-occupied homes have no mortgage. Yeah. 80% of those with mortgages are locked in at 5% or lower. So you, if you look at that, you do the algebra calculation, obviously, then there's almost no one to sell. Right. Why, I don't want to move because no. I can afford my monthly now right. and, and then, may not be able to afford it. Or, exactly. Right. Well, and the then, person buying my home is not, it's, the, it's just that same right. issue. And, and you have 68 million consumers that have a lot more money than they did in 2019. That's the Bank of America consumer, just yeah. Bank of America alone. And then here's just some statistics that I got that I think are really indicative of where we are. Vacant apartments are now filled in 38 days. Last year, they were 32. There are eight prospective renters for each unit down from 11. But imagine what's going on here. These renters can't move up to new homes because there are so few new homes. We're building homes radically lower pace than we did last year at this time because the home builders listened to Powell and thought that maybe we were going to have a recession. And that you have, what you really need are the student, this is a terrible scenario, but student loans have to come back uh, to where you have to pay them. And people have to go back to live with their parents in order for this cycle to be broken. And I don't think... I think the cycles can be very hard to break. All right, come back to the Fed for me, though. I mean, we've got any number of different opinions out there. Morgan Stanley would continue to think the Fed is done here. So that, that, uh, how know, do they say that it's based on nothing? Based on nothing. Based, maybe based on nothing. But there are those who believe, well, listen, they are de- obviously they're going to be data dependent. We'll see. And even though he's indicated that rates may stay where they are well, for another two years, right? True. Now, autos, I have fresh auto information. The auto information is compiled once a month, and autos were up very big vehicles, and that's come down. Used cars and trucks are going to surprise you how much they've come down in the last four weeks. My information is fresher than their information. Okay, so I feel like you're telling me different. You're saying, well, on the one thing, you're, you're this chorus no, you always share about housing is so strong, and housing is strong, and housing is strong, and then you're giving me everything else that's not well, that strong. Well, no, I think that's that's the conundrum that we're faced, which there's really only one thing that is really strong. But look, do you really think if you're, if you're Loretta Mester from the, one, the fourth group, fastest growing city in the country, Cleveland. Do you really think that you can have home prices up 40% since 2019 and feel that we're not in an inflationary environment, especially with Lennar, which is being uh, in the the 10 o'clock hour, Lennar having unbelievable numbers, although the price, some of their homes prices went down. David, I'm just pointing out that that's the, this is the metric that they're really upset about. And uh, And, Stuart Miller will join us in the Utah If you deal with Bank of America, now MasterCard, the MasterCard spending numbers, David, yes. are incredibly fast. Now, there's a, a note. City's got a negative catalyst in Barclays Press. I don't know. All I can tell you is, is that MasterCard spend was off the charts, particularly for jewelry. Mother's Day was amazingly strong. Um, Gunlock, <laughs> Gunlock yesterday um, joined uh, Watmer later in the day. Uh, take a listen to what he had to say, of course. What do we used to call him? The Bond King, I think. In his reaction, I want to get yours to his reaction sure. of the Powell uh, presser. I don't believe the Fed's going to raise rates again. I think Jay Powell has a really difficult job right now because, as Steve is correctly pointing out, I think he realizes that we're at a turning point potentially on the inflation situation and on the economy. And yet there are people that are dedicated to these, these lagging indicators like unemployment, unemploy- uh, labor market, and certainly looking at core CPI, well, it lags. It, it just does. Okay. It, it, about 30 years ago, 30 years ago um, there was a debate. I'm sorry, 1983. There was a debate about how to make it so that the CPI didn't look that high. So they took homes out of it. 
I mean, I'm, I wish I were joking about this. They took homes out of it, but they kept rents in. If you put homes into the CPI, CPI is, is what I'm saying is they're not going by. Yeah. They're not because homes aren't in the CPI. I mean, that was sleight of hand to take homes out. Yep. But do you think a Loretta Mester, who happens to be incredibly rigorous, is sitting here saying, you know what? Let's just asterisk this. Homes, David, 66% of the people in the country, it's a very important indicator, and homes are out of control. Uh, it, they can't build them fast enough. Uh, Lenar can't build them fast. Toll can't. KB Homes can't. So the supply of homes is very limited. Of new, used homes, supply very limited. Rental supply very limited. And we're supposed to say that we're in a non-inflationary environment. Ted Decker, the, the Home Depot call, was chilling. And if the Fed listened to that, they would say, we are so not done. If Gunlock would listen to the Home Depot day, you would just say, holy cow, are we in a jam? All right. So great, how does it way, impact your console. view of the equity markets, if at all? Does well, it change you know, anything that you had, you know, no, your assumptions been, yesterday versus today? Well, you today? know that there's a lot of people who are on the wrong side if you look at the long range. We're not going to be in a recession. That long range is signaling recession. Yeah. We're not going to be in a recession. Okay. We have a very strong economy. It's not like people, David, in, in 2008, where they're walking away from their homes and giving Washington Mutual the keys to it. Who's walking away from a home when you, when you have no mortgage? True. Would that be stupid? I think it would be. Hey, I'm going to walk away from my, I, you know, they, you have incredible wealth being built in your home even right now. That's another part of the Home Depot where they said, listen, people are, it's not an expensive to fix your house up. It's capital. You capitalize it. Homes are the thing they're worried about and wages control homes. All right. Let's move on to the IPO but, of the morning. That, Can we do that? That's so because, you know, but, we have a certain amount of time but, each block. But I just gave you the key to this. I, I heard you. I know Kava better than anyone in America. Oh, no, you don't. So Why do you say things like that? Because I know I'm Kava to, better than anyone in America. I'm Why to, would you say something like that? Because I'm given to hyperbole. <laughs> Look at these are my Kava notes. I've, oh, no. Oh, my God. He's got, he's got more pockets than a magician. Okay, right. David, it's $22. Yes, 20, let me, let me, it's 22 bucks above the previous range. I, actually, here are the numbers I shared on Twitter this morning. 30 times oversubscribed, 400 orders in the book. 30 times. 30 times. You uh, know what that says top to Top 20 counts, long onlys mostly, getting uh, oh 80% God, of the allocation. This is going to be the most important half, year. But why? It's a restaurant chain. Okay. If you were saying Instacart is the most important IPO of the year, I'm all, if you were saying that, I would believe you. Okay. Because that's technology related in a way that this is not. The question is, is this sweet green, which is a bomb, or is this Chipotle? Now, David, same store sales are, what, 14%, okay, accelerated to incredible 28.4% in the first quarter of 2023, 28.4%. Comparison, Chipotle... I mean, it's just it's kind of like Chipotle, except for Chipotle did not have that kind of growth when it started. So, I mean, you can make a comparison here. The, uh, the average unit volume, David, is worth $2.5 million. That's fantastic. But, but you say, Jim, are they making money? And the answer is no. No, they're not making any money. But, you know, if you look at EBITDA, which is money. your... 59 million bucks. If you look at adjusted EBITDA, which I know you like. I do. Well, you've got to be careful of adjusted EBITDA. Everybody uses it. But, of course, we have to be aware of what it's adjusting for. And it may have the function, broadly speaking, of showing margins being more significant than they really are. This is a regional to national story that did lose money last year that is coming on very aggressively. It did buy a lot of Zoe's Kitchens, which is 
Uh, but why do you them. feel that this is such a key for the IPO market? Because because the broker because JP Morgan is going to let this thing pop in a way that's going to say, I got to get back into stocks. This is so exciting. Let me have the next one. This is how it all starts. A recognizable name of four million people who are part of the loyalty loyalty plan. It's healthy-ish. It is loved. I don't know if you've been to the one down here. I have. But good luck. The line is out the door. That depends on the day. But yeah, not Mondays or Fridays. Right, but that's because that work from home nonsense you keep talking about. Um, and I think that it's going to be very hard to value because they are losing money. Uh, let's say annualize the company's first quarter adjusted EBITDA of six point seven million, David, uh, to get a twenty twenty three EBITDA. Look at all those people. You get well. That's the the people who work there. Yeah, I'm um, excited. It, so I mean, Chipotle has a market cap of fifty six point five billion, but yeah, well, Kava's never going to get anywhere near that. No, but Not the, in your lifetime. The IPO is going to be hot, hot, hot. It's going to change. It's going. To, the public is going to listen to what happened to Kava, and the public is going to be in. And David, all I can tell you is, this is going to be one right. that the home gamers want to be. I am, uh, as I've been consistently, I'm not convinced that you're, you're right on your that skepticism one. Your skepticism I am on opening AI, the IPO market, this not specific to this Kava IPO, simply that it is going to really open up the IPO market. We'll see. Oh. You've been right many times. Many, in fact, when I disagree with you, most of the time I end up being wrong. Well, that's I don't like to admit that. That's very positive for you. It depends. All right. After the break, we're going to get some breaking economic data. I just said, right? I heard what I just said. No, I appreciate that. Thank you, Bill. (laughs) Plus, later this hour, don't miss the CEO. Yes. Oh, she watches. She loves. She's her biggest fan. (laughs) She knows I actually like them. My father thought we hated each other. We got a look at futures for you. We got about 17 minutes before we get started with an opening bell. We're back right for this. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Rick Santelli here live at CME HQ with breaking news. Industrial production capacity utilization for the month of May on production expecting up one-tenth of one percent, but not meant to be down two-tenths of one percent. Down two-tenths of one percent, that is the weakest number of the year. You have to go back to December to find another negative number, and that was negative 1.55. On utilization rates, about as expected, 79.6. And depending on how you round the number, that just about equals 
January, where we were 79.597. We see interest rates, 10-year note yields at 374 are down four basis points on the low yield, high price of the session. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Sentry, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and render written and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Sentry.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. All right, it's uh, 920, not quite 920, but about 10 minutes before we get started here on the East Coast, at least, with an opening bell. We have time for a mad dash. We can even stand up for it. It's a very interesting note from Morgan Stanley today. T-Mobile's been going down. A lot of it is people believe that this dish, Amazon Alliance, that I know you have questioned, uh, they say today, breaking through to 150, obviously 129, patients should be awarded reinstating as top pick from Morgan Stanley. David, they have, uh, they've got this $14 billion buyback. They think that there's, it's very, it could be very active. They're modestly increasing their estimates. But, David, here's what I, I mentioned this for. Can you imagine ATT, Verizon, and T-Mobile? If T-Mobile chooses to cut to make it so that they like, give a pro-visual way, if they, you know, the new Apple device, yes. if they make it so that they have a more competitive offering right now, they do not than Verizon uh, for the 14. David, can anyone really be in a price board with a company that is as lucrative as T-Mobile? Well, they have a great, they have a ne- uh, very strong network in 5G. Yes. And, you know, I think it's harder for Verizon to make the, the claims that it did for many years yes. and gave it the dominance that it had for a period of time. That said, this is all about competition, yes, really. Yes, it is. Whether you want to say Amazon no, or what or what right. not may actually happen there. But um, from the well, cable that's companies, why, that's this why is like the, competition. That, this, that, yeah. That's why I like the Morgan Stanley piece, because it basically says, okay, line in the sand. It's not going lower. It's bouncing. Now, you and I both know Mike Siebert. Mike Siebert, even though he wears those T-Mobile sweaters that have that magenta thing, he is a vicious competitor. He is like a you know a velvet fist because yeah, I believe he's so that. nice. And I think he's tired of the stock being. Well, listen, if we put up the others, Verizon and AT&T are oh, also down. It's, been, it's yields, been a bad year to own these. Seven and a half. By the way, if you go to any length other than a year, you'll see that the stock is but far out I think that this is an amazing call to line in the sand it and there say, it and Simon Flannery, whom I have liked for so long, he's a terrific analyst. Yeah. This yeah. is a good call. He's, okay. And uh, Flannery's been doing it a long you time. You know Simon. I good. do. I Remember do. Quest? He was the email quest. Joe Nachio. All right, we got an opening bell. What do we got? About uh, eight and a half minutes from now. Quick programming note as well. It isn't too late to sign up for CNBC's Financial Advisors Summit. We're going to have uh, some of the street's top investors and market experts break down where they see risk and reward ahead. You can scan that QR code to register. Visit CNBCEvents.com slash financial advisor for more. We're back right for this. I see AI presenting transformational opportunities. I've talked about how the collapse of productivity has been an essential issue in the global economies. And I believe it is an essential reason why we have such sticky inflation. I believe that AI has a huge potential to increase productivity, increase knowledge base, transforms margins across sectors. 
It may be the technology that can bring down the inflation. That was Larry Fink uh, predicting, of course, that uh, AI at least uh, is presenting what he said is transformative opportunities that will have significant impact uh, on productivity in a positive way, Jim. You know, not the only one, of course, we've had uh, uh, Jan Hatzius here, you know, the whole team over there at Goldman months ago put out a report talking about GDP going up by, I think it was, what, one and a half percentage points over time as a result of productivity gains. It's tough. I mean, I know that Jensen Wong, whom everyone is just, I went to an air club in NVIDIA, he's just talking about the biggest, the biggest thing that we do in an economy worldwide, the biggest total addressable market is the building of factories. And he's saying that the building of factories is going to be uh, come down dramatically in price and be, be able to build them fast because you'll do a digital twin. You can do, right, which is a tiny little, uh, just you'll tiny, see yeah. what it is, but right. you'll be able to look at everything right. and then and then create efficiencies from what's working or not right. working yeah. on your digital right. representation. Uh, I have Adobe on tonight, and they actually have figured out some of the great productivity. It's really rather amazing. Larry Fink's right. If you wanted to make a dress and change a pattern, that normally would take two weeks. You can do that in hours now. Yeah, but I mean, it's also it's also a, a lot of work in the office as well, well that is being dramatically uh, improved, or at least I should say, the amount of time needed is being cut dramatically right. as a result of the use of generative right. uh, AI. And Salesforce has calculated to be that you get five additional hours of work out of an employee per week, which, again, now that is, say, a, on a 50-hour week. Still 10%. Uh, you know, that's yeah. not bad. And so that is, that's productivity. It's just not interesting productivity to people because it's business to business. You don't see it. But that's where uh, I bet you bank, if we had Brian Moynihan on here, I think he would say, you know what, I'm going to be getting a lot more out of my people. RBC is saying that right now. Yeah. Gucci's saying that right now. You know, something we haven't talked a lot about at all, uh, we did for a while, was the use of 5G in the enterprise at the edge because of the computing power. But that's starting to come around, too. Yes. Uh, that's something, you know, a usage case for 5G that, that hasn't appeared in full as yet. But at least, uh, you know, if you talk to enough people now, say it's starting to get closer. Right, that's um, interesting because that's not NVIDIA's HP bailiwick. Inc., for example. That, you know, that right. where you can bring enormous amounts of computing power as a result of wireless technology right to the right to the edge of the network and therefore do things in a factory or manufacturing plant in a real-time basis that you couldn't previously. Right, and I think, that again, again, people can't see it. I mean, one of the things that Jensen talks about is that things will be moving on robots. They won't be using forklifts anymore. Well, what does that do? It makes the economy a little bit faster. It also cuts down pollution. Uh, by the way, you know, Jensen was more interested in waste and cutting down waste than he is on anything else. But that is inherently productive. And I don't, do I think Larry Fink's wrong? I think, I think trying, to, trying to figure out how much is a fool's game right now. Too early. Too early. Yeah. Even, you know, like great people like Jim Breyer, I think, would say it's too early from Excel. But he thinks it's going to be monumental. He does, and, and obviously we, we've talked a bit about what it's going to mean in healthcare, for example, and I think people like Jim Breyer are thinking a lot about the opportunities yes, he there. Is. He is. From an investment standpoint as well, for new and emerging companies that can use and incorporate generative AI and what they do to greatly increase yes. uh, healthcare outcomes. Yeah, and we have to distinguish this from like the letters that you send, the lawyer letter with the four wrong cases. I mean, that's not it. No. Uh, what it is is, is that when you call to a, when you go to a website, they will direct you to the right person. That's right. what it is. Uh, I hear things here. 
Uh, you can hear the applause starting here. It's going to get very loud, of course. We're surrounded by many of the people who are here to celebrate the IPO of Kava. It is one of the bigger ones we've had in quite some time, certainly at the New York Stock Exchange, with a lot of attention being focused on this Mediterranean fast casual um, that is going, as Jim said, from a regional more to a national player. Certainly plans to use some of the proceeds from this IPO to help fuel that uh, growth phase that it hopes to enter. But a lot of doubters, too, Jim in terms of profitability, in terms of future cash flows, and their ability to actually garner them. Absolutely. Now, Twitter, 63 locations across 22 states, Washington, D.C. 82% are in the suburbs. That's very interesting because you know, that's a little bit wealthier. Um, uh, and I know that they could show profit they want to. That's what you Like many growth companies, of course, they're choosing not to. Jim said if they could show profitability, they're investing for future growth. Uh, there was the opening bell. This is the celebration here at the New York Stock Exchange. Again, Kava. We're going to talk to uh, the company's CEO in just a bit, uh, a few minutes. Over at the NASDAQ, by the way, it was Fifth Third Bank Corp celebrating the 165th okay, anniversary of that bank. Almost every single regional bank has had its numbers cut of late, and a lot of them are saying it's really hard to get a loan. And yet, there's Powell saying, look, it, the, growth, the growth is still capital. David, this incredible dichotomy that you're seeing between the banks that are saying, look, it's getting tougher and tougher to get a loan, and the fact that the, uh, the Fed says things are still too easy, it's really an amazingly difficult time to figure out what to do. So people default to, uh, to fast-growing technology. So they default to buying Apple or they're buying Tesla, although they're not buying it today. Even though there's some very positive Or they default to buying NVIDIA or Amazon, or Microsoft, or Alphabet. That's about it. Yeah, right? well, they're down today. David, yeah, they're all down today. A lot David, of them are down today. Do you think, are you concerned at all uh, about the different lawsuits filed against Google from the EU and from dropping Cantor? Well, it, you, it, it you just, I mean, you've done more work on this than I have, because I know you've read all the complaints, the DOJ one in particular, about having to split the ad business. And to your point, the EU is potentially embarking on a similar uh, action. Uh, and so they got a lot of fronts in this war that they're going to be uh, engaged with for quite some time. Right. And I would say that this is unlike any other challenge to, to Alphabet. There's a very serious, rigorous challenge about you maybe, maybe should pick one side or the other, represent the buy side or the sell side. Now, in, in their defense, Alphabet's saying, listen, everybody gets a bargain. There's lots of different, uh, different competitors. You don't need to use us. Uh, uh, and I understand. I accept. You know, I understand both sides. Yeah. But I think that people, uh, most of these lawsuits, people say they drag on too long. It doesn't matter. That's not Jonathan Cantor's goal. Yeah. He wants quick resolution. He wants them to that would dramatically lower their profitability. Uh, I think that Mr. Cantor is very good at his job. He used to be a Paul Weiss, he's a corporate lawyer. This is not FTC. Okay. However. Alphabet also has some compelling things to say on its its side. This case and the case that Merck has filed against uh, against Medicare yeah. are two cases that people aren't talking about nearly enough versus what's going to happen. We'll have time to talk about them, but I'm glad you did bring them up because they are important, of course. And it is important to point out, by the way, when it comes to Alphabet, it was the last administration also, Bill Barr also brought an action too. I mean, the, the DOJ, you know, it doesn't. This one does not fall under the the broader theme of what are these guys doing on the antitrust front. Right. This is more... It's kind of cut and least, dry. And if you listen right, you to the said trade it, I desk to Jeff Green, he would tell you, look, it's which side are you on? It's kind of like uh, Harlan County. 
Yeah. Uh, speaking of trials, I got to talk. I got to tell you about the one that's uh, really stirring up the M and A world. Microsoft and Active uh, Microsoft is going to go head to head with the FTC in federal court. Well, someone in a had week. to. Someone had to. In but Jim, a week. How a week. Get a judge to do that. Oh, Judge Corley. She's. I, it is something that at least. People have been doing this a long time, like myself, and covering it. It's, those it's who've been obviously uh, participants in these markets have never seen, which is we're going to trial next week, a five-day trial. Are you going to go out? Um, I don't know that I am going to go uh, there. Can I suggest that you go? I'm not kidding. Yeah, I know. I've thought uh, no, about no, it. No, this is going to be – this is the test case of the renegade – Runaway rogue FTC, and it really is interesting. Oh, you got to go. By the way, usually we talk about the limitless resources of the U.S. government. Right. In this case, Microsoft may have the beat on that because I don't think the FTC ever expected they'd have to go to court. Microsoft has to. to, They have more unlimited firepower. To bring the case, and Microsoft. Who are they using? You know, they're using. Oh, they're using everybody. I mean, my God, they could put 500 lawyers to work on this thing, and they're going to have to because they've got days. They're taking depositions now. Maybe there was some prep, already some preparation underway for the ALJ, for the administrative law judge hearing that's taking place in August. But this is it. This is the. This will decide from the U.S. perspective whether Microsoft is violating antitrust law and trying to buy Activision. So important case. This that could be the said, twilight of the FTC idol. Yes, it, this could be very important for the FTC wow. in terms of the continued thing, uh, uh, cases that they are bringing. Um, That's incredible. And, you know, whether they're going to continue to be able to chill the waters of M&A. What what typically would happen, how long this would be drawn out and how. Well, you were not expected to have a a trial until the fall, most likely. And then this thing could go into March. I mean, who knows? Uh, You know, uh, that said, we'll take you back to the UK to remind you that when it comes to this deal, $95 a share in cash, so you can still see there is a significant spread, as we say, to that price. Uh, it is still the appeals process that Microsoft has undertaken for the CMA, the UK antitrust regulator's decision to block the deal, to prevent it. And it's that really is still incredible. thought to be a very significant hurdle for Microsoft. Perhaps not one that is uh, unbridgeable, but. Uh, um, but a difficult one nonetheless, Jim. So as important as this case will be next week and the week following, it's five days they're giving it, uh, don't forget that when it comes to the success of the deal, the ability to close the transaction, Microsoft still has to win in this, uh, against this tribunal in the UK, yeah. I know, which really sends it back to the CMA if they were to win, point. and then the CMA has to change its opinion. So it's still a very high point. All right, let me give you a more positive scenario and all that. Retailers. Retailers. Kohl's recommended by Cowan. Very, very good piece. This is Tom Kingsbury. He's, you know, used to run Burlington. He's a very different manager from Kohl's. Uh, Target yesterday, people did not talk enough about how Brian Cornell was very upbeat when he spoke about Target. That's now the second day that it's up. Uh, when you have both Kohl's and Target up, people are going to go by Walmart. Costco is saying some very good things. So I think that the big retailers, uh, Home Depot, of course, kept its, uh, its outlook the same, but the big retailers are talking very positive. Uh, bad for the Fed, good for the stock market. Well, all right, and Target is up again now yeah, after, after numerous, numerous consecutive days down. Just the stock was reeling in, in part because of that shrinkage number they gave us, in part because of this boycott 
because um, they got themselves embroiled in the culture war. It's unclear that they really had. I don't even want to talk. You know, the you get. Well, the, I, I felt that it, Brian it gets, Brian handled himself very well in terms of just saying universally, look, we're we have always been in favor, uh, worked hard to embrace everyone. Yeah, and I, I think that that's kind of the American way, even if people think it isn't the American. And then there's this rumor, which I have not been able to confirm whatsoever, that there'd be some activists in the stock. I, I yeah, that's I, I've heard I, that. I, well, what, what's the plan? You're gonna what, what are you gonna do? They, they have no huh? plan. Yeah, no plan. I mean, look, it's a great company, and it, it actually had a you know, it, it sales were slowing, uh, regardless of what you thought, sales were slowing. But um, I now feel it's overdone, and I think people should recognize that it's overdone. Uh, speaking of uh, a little bit of a different, no Kroger reported, right? You got you got any any take on the Kroger quarter? Yeah, I mean the Kroger's right back in that smack in that uh, the takeover world. Yeah, they the are. Kroger numbers are fine. Right. I mean the, the purchase Albertsons, what they're trying to accomplish about there. Talk the deal that will not get done. Yeah, that one again. When everybody's you, you have to that. differentiate sometimes between these cases in the sense of, all right, that one would have been brought under any administration, right. most likely. Amgen Horizon, nobody thinks that there was a, a another administration that would have brought, brought okay. a case on now, that Now, I'm not but, sure whether Rodney McMullen, who's the CEO, has told me point blank, look, we will do what's necessary to close it, including, say, spin-off companies. Yes, spin-off. yes, they but, have made a lot of overtures in terms of divestitures they're willing to do. Right, but DOJ has said over and over again, those deals have failed. They don't work. They, do they don't work. Because either. the company tends to go out of business. You, right, like it's Hagen no good if you divest something that then goes bankrupt. People should Google Hagen if you're concerned about what can go wrong. That's an outfit that got a bunch of stores from Safeway, uh, and then within a few months, they went under, and Safeway took over the stores again. So just beware that there are very big obstacles to that deal. Yeah. Very big. Um, Tesla shares have finally reversed what was that 13-day, was it 13? I believe it was, straight up streak. Yesterday down, again today down. I mean, not much more to say about it other than that, but it was notable, of course. Uh, Tesla stock still up well over 100%, flirting right around around that $800 billion uh, market value for the company. David, did you find um, I think Jonas had some things to say. I, what is he well, paid by the word? That guy. Um, Every day. I used to be paid by the word. It's kind of interesting. Function. You, you tend to write. You're a not lot. still paid by the word. The word that you say. I. Because you'd be I, the I, highest paid man in my, America. I have my larynx looked at because I was over overpaid. <laughs> David, you know, here's something that's amazing. Oracle can come out, Larry Ellison, and say we're taking a huge share from everybody, and nobody reacts the first day. But Amazon's down today, and I think people should recognize that some of that is indeed. Oracle taking share. I think so. I really do. Really? I've been doing some work with other companies that are involved with web services. Oracle's Oracle's taking share. Larry Ellison is not just saying stuff to make his point. Uh, He's just very on fire. So sad cats. That Oracle quarter matters. But David, nothing matters more than Kava. All right. Speaking of Kava, we're going to get to that. Let's give you a quick uh, bond report as well before we head to a break. Treasuries this morning, uh, you know, we had hit, what were we, 4.77 on the tier. Where are we now, though, right? You said, Jim, you'd mentioned there was a... No, the longer end yeah, is really doing well. Things kind of reversed a bit. I there mean, it is. Yeah, much yeah. Uh, um, Price is higher there. Uh, 4.66 is where we stand right now. What Not, an exciting day. Say again? It's a very exciting day. It's an exciting day. In part because, of course, we do have this IPO, and the CEO of Kaba will join the us shortly. The IPO market is about to come alive for the first time since maybe Uber 
You remember Frampton Comes Alive? Remember that album? Frampton was involved with uh, the uh, American Brain Foundation. Oh, I didn't know that. We're back after this. Fast Casual Eatery Cava is making its market debut right here at the New York Stock Exchange. $22 a share is where the IPO priced. We'll keep an eye on it. Of course, Bob Fasani will be tracking it as well when we get closer to an actual open for you of that stock. The CEO, though, is going to join us at Post 9. That'll be a first on CNBC right after this break. David, happy Kava Day. Thank you. Kava is set to go public here at the Stock Exchange this morning. It's very exciting. Priced at $22 a share, it will probably open much higher than that. We have CEO Brett Schulman joining us now. Brett, first, congratulations on all your success. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, David. Thanks for having us. Now, I think that your story is one that I want people to know. It's an actual authentic story from three people who are great cooks, and you join. And I want you to just tell America what has happened with your story. It is that good. Yeah, we're, our brand was founded by three uh, childhood friends, sons of Greek immigrants, Ted, Ike, and Dimitri, Chef Dimitri, really to bring their modern American spin on their family's heritage and culinary. And we do that through our mission to bring heart, health, and humanity to food. And I was introduced to the guys back when they had two full-service restaurants and sold their dips and spreads in a couple local Whole Foods markets. And uh, we hit it off. They said, come on board, be our fourth partner. And we talked about we need to bring this great food, this unique cuisine where taste and health unite without compromise to a larger audience. So we worked and we co-founded our fast casual restaurant, Kava, as you know it today, and operate in over 22 states and have over 263 restaurants across the country. Okay, so let me ask, you've got a great average unit volume, north of two, uh, 2.5 million, which is very good. But I think a natural, more uh, critical person might say, you're not making money yet, so why not? Yeah, so when you think about it, we've got this amazing white space opportunity in Mediterranean. We have a clear dominant leadership position defining the category, and we've created a powerful unit economic engine. Our restaurant level profit margins are, are strong. Our increase in restaurant level dollars, 50 million in the first quarter alone, over 91 million all of last year. Restaurant level profit is the oxygen, the lifeblood of our business. And then we've invested significant, robust infrastructure over the years. So as we grow and move forward, we'll be able to leverage that infrastructure. And we get a really attractive cash on cash returns on all these investments in the new restaurants we're building. And you're seeing that momentum build in the business. I mean, because that ends up being the concern, at least of some, which say, hey, you've got very impressive revenue growth, but they do wonder about ultimate profitability. You seem to be indicating that if you were to stop Investing right now on the restaurant level, you're already profitable. But what do you tell people when they look out in terms of how much you're spending, what you're going to use and the resources you're, you're uh, garnering today from the IPO yeah. and when that day comes that you actually will be overall as a company profitable? Well, we made significant investments in the Zoe's Kitchen acquisition. We converted uh, that and transformed that acquisition. And you're seeing the momentum come out of that where our net income from last year in Q1 alone went from uh, a $20 million loss to a $2 million loss. So again, you're seeing the inflection point in the business and all of that robust infrastructure we've invested in, the new restaurant growth, starting to take hold and drive real tailwinds to the business. But you're, you're still talking about years before you're profitable. No. Uh, no, you, if, you, if you simply look at the restaurant level profitability, you look at our cost structure, you can have line of sight to it. What's the line of sight? Give me some. Give me. Some, <laughs> give me, give me I mean, can am I, I talking just, a year, two years, five years? Look, you have the rest of the Wait, let, me, let him ask, answer the question. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can see line of sight. You can read the S1. You can yeah, read our numbers. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're incredibly excited about it. 
We've got a great path forward. We see this working and proven portability, no matter whether we're in the suburbs or the cities, whether we're in Bryant Park here in Manhattan or Back Bay in Boston or Fayetteville, North Carolina or Fayetteville, Arkansas, we're seeing consistent results. And I think that's the other thing that's exciting. When you look at our average unit volumes, it's not just one region of the country that's successful, it's all regions we operate in. And that gives us the confidence that, you know, that is coming the line of sight the is, line of is sight. there. And by the way, yes. David, they, they do break down the regions. So this is yeah. a very transparent company. And yes. on the profit margin, per store, the profit, uh, the margin, the actual restaurant level profit margin, which is a very good indicator, they are, the uh, last one was 25.4%. Now, Chipotle is 23.9%. So uh, the comparisons, a lot of people are comparing you to Sweet Green, which is a fizzler. Yeah. And some are comparing you to Chipotle, which is long term. I want to ask you. Where where is America in terms of Greek food yeah. versus where it was say five ten years ago? Yeah, that's that's the incredible thing when you look at the demographic shifts in our country and the trends. Forty eight percent of Gen Z identify with an ethnic minority group. That's up from thirty eight percent of millennials. Gen Alpha will be the first generation across that fifty percent paradigm. And what we know is as the country gets more diverse, people are seeking bolder, more interesting flavors, seeking the new cultural cuisine beyond the mature cultural cuisines of Mexican, Asian, and Italian. And that's where Mediterranean comes in. And then you match it with the shifting health perceptions where people want to eat better, but they don't want to have to make compromises doing it. And that's where our unique cuisine, where taste and health unite, come in. And then it appeals to so many people, whether you're a vegan, vegetarian, right. uh, you want to eliminate lactose or gluten, or you want to eliminate garlic, Jim. I heard, yeah, I know. I heard That's going to be garlic. impossible. Our culinary team has made a garlic-free Kramer Bowl for you today. The Kramer Bowl? The Kramer Bowl. The Kramer Bowl is... And that's, 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 you, you already um, had it. You <laughs> really didn't need to do that. That's um, unbelievable. He's already, obviously, I, I, I got to get him in. Bowl? So now you're giving I mean, him I can't bowl? even get into your restaurant down here. The line is so long. You're telling me I got to get you in line. line. I get a Kramer bowl? We, we got to get you in line. So the point is, like, it is exciting. This, the place is we, very exciting. We've got 38 items on the line that you can make over 17.4 billion combinations. And what that leads to is an incredibly diverse customer base which leads to that incredibly diverse portability, which generates that powerful economic engine, which will address what you talked about. And what, what are you, what is the primary use of the proceeds from this IPO? To build new restaurants and bring this to the 26 states in the continental US we don't operate in today and grow in the markets that but we do operate in. promise me you will not do willy-nilly growth. Promise me you will no. not, ch- not cave to Wall Street and put up 200 stores next year. We've put a very reasonable plan out for a growth rate because we agree with you. We think the same thing. We want to make sure that the growth is measured and we maintain this excellent quality we've been able to deliver the last 12 years. Now, when your discussions with the bank, J.P. Morgan, uh, did you discuss as the price moved up that there really is a possibility you could do this at $30, $40? Obviously, big institutions went in and individuals. How do you think you came to that $22 number? It's a reflection of how we've thought throughout our journey, how our investor partners and our board, as we were a private company, think, and that's long term. We want to build this for the next 10 years, the not, te- not the next 10 months. This isn't a destination. It's not a moment in time we're trying to maximize. We're trying to build this for the long term. Um, in the near term, dealing with things such as food costs yes. uh, and inflation, not to mention, yeah. obviously, wage costs, how have you navigated that? Uh, and has or have any of those sort of started to uh, 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 get better? Yeah. So I think that goes back to my point about the infrastructure we've invested in over the years that we're beginning to see the leverage from. 
we have a direct source uh, supply chain with scalable producers where we control a lot of our inbound freight and logistics. So as we grow in markets, we move from LTL pallet pricing to half truckload to truckload, getting freight savings as well as economies of scale with our providers. And we're vertically integrated. We have manufacturing facilities where we produce all of our dips and spreads. So that allows us very efficient, cost-effective production of our high quality ingredients that we're not having to produce and have the complexity within the four walls of our restaurant. And what that allowed us to do is take less than 5% in restaurant pricing last year while expanding restaurant level margins and really driving that value proposition for our guests. Uh, you know, a, a number of people, I mean, Jim mentioned Sweet Green, which is right down the street right. from yeah. Kava here. And people can remember when that company went public as well. Yes. Telling a similarly strong story in terms of sourcing a lot of things. It hasn't gone that well, at least as a stock. How do you differentiate yourself from that? Yeah, I'd say look at our restaurant level margins and how strong and robust they are and look at our proven portability. We're 80, we're 82% suburban in our portfolio. We've been over 80% throughout our history. As I mentioned, we're in small markets like Lynchburg, Virginia and Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we're in Westwood in Los Angeles. So the incredible diversity that we see this resonate. And as Jim pointed out in the S1, the consistency of that performance in all regions of the country, I think really shows uh, the, the difference with Kaba. And hence why I've been saying, I know, David, I've been going on and on about it, why this deal is so important. It's going to be very exciting. And I know that's a word that is loaded because we want people to be, we want people to do all the homework. But if you do the homework and the transparency of this company, this is the way that Chipotle started. And Chipotle is one of the greatest restaurant chains on earth. That, that's high praise. It's a great company. I, to, I appreciate to. being uh, included in, in that category. You just have too many good things going for you, including the make line. You do a very Thanks good job. Thanks for uh, good luck today. Fred, thank yes. you so Well, much. the debut is getting close. 29 to 31 looks to be uh, at least the latest indication. So. And a Kramer bowl to boot without the garlic yes. that makes you upset. David, nice. we'll have to figure out your David Faber ball. Yeah, I know. David doesn't, like, <laughs> David doesn't like anything except thin gruel. <laughs> It'll be very cranky, whatever that bowl is. We knows. don't want you to be hangry. <laughs> You're terrific. What do you got tonight on the show? Okay, I have Adobe, and Adobe is probably the best use case for AI and how much productivity there is and how much money can be made. Jonathan Ryan, I cannot wait. He's terrific. Okay. Thank Jim, thank you. And thank, uh, thank you. Sean New, uh, again, the guest uh, tonight on MAD. We'll be back right after this. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details.